My name is Dr. Michael Brown, and this is Three Words, a bite-sized podcast about the simple and yet strategic choices that all of us can make in order to become the very best version of ourselves. Today's conversation in the studio is strategic but not necessarily simple. In fact, it's a hard conversation that I have with my son, Dr. Justin Brown, as we talk about the notion of writing people up, of, as you might have thought about in grade school, being a tattletale. Where the conversation went was very interesting. I was actually a little bit cautious about having this conversation with Justin in the studio because I wondered, is it relevant? Does it matter? Will people care? I think you will be fascinated as you listen in. Check it out. Well, Justin, Dr. Justin Brown, welcome to the studio today to engage in a very interesting conversation. Would you share our three words for today? Yep. Today's three words are write them up. Write them up. You know, as I hear that, it sounds a little bit like uh, a conversation about being a tattletale. And so let me just ask you, why is this topic so important to you? Yeah. So I think that as I think about write them up, I think that that is the pathway. It is one of the steps to making three realities happen. One, I want to live in a world that is more just, where people who harm others are held accountable. I want to um, care for others in my life more deeply, where I'm able to stand up for and advocate for those who are harmed. And then in almost a little bit of a different vein, I want to work in a place that's more safe. And if there are problems that should be fixed, um, deficiencies that can be addressed, I want that to happen as well. And I think that writing them up can sometimes be the pathway to making those things happen. This is such an interesting topic, Justin. We have never explored a topic such as this. I mean, we tend to talk about the 12 dimensions of life and how to grow and develop and become the best version of yourself. And this is a little bit an outlier to some of our typical conversations. But as I was even thinking about this conversation and even having some conversations with you off camera, this is really important. Um, obviously, it's important to you. You you work in the medical profession. You probably see some injustices or maybe opportunities and in really situations where you feel like I need to step in and deal with this situation. But I'm also guessing for you personally, as you kind of travel the world, I know we're going to talk about some different examples that you have. You probably have seen a lot of opportunities to really step in and help do the very things that you talked about. But obviously, there's listeners, there's viewers jumping in today. Why is this important to them? Yeah, I think when I brought this topic up to you at first, you challenged it and said, I don't know if this will resonate with our listeners and our viewers. But I, I think that many of our listeners and many of our viewers, how many of us have seen an instance or experienced an instance of discrimination, of harassment of any kind, of mistreatment? Um, how many have either experienced that for themselves or seen it and then not known what to do afterwards? That's fair. Um, how many of us have been frustrated in our workplace when things just aren't working right because there are individuals that have attitudes or behaviors that are harmful to the culture, that are harmful to the workflow? Um, how many of us have been frustrated with the status quo and saying, why isn't this thing changing? Hmm. Um, and how many people are wanting to make an investment to make a change. So I think that it really can be applicable to the workplace, to our personal lives, the moral dimension of life, um, the cultural dimension of life as we mm -hmm. talk about about racial equity. 
um, as we talk about gender equality and so on, I, I think that it is a, an important topic that will probably actually resonate with a lot of our listeners and our viewers. Well, so. even as you kind of spell out those bullet points of why people would care, I think you're right. I think there are those who are listening where they're already leaning in and thinking, this is very interesting. And they're already thinking of examples in their own life where mm-hmm. they're like, wow, I need to think about how to step into this situation to bring maybe justice or improvement or so forth. But here's my challenge. And I'm going to push back on you a little bit, and that is I feel like that we are a culture that doesn't know how to initiate hard conversations. So I'm thinking to myself, well, why would I write anybody up? Mm -hmm. I'm going to step into a situation, and I'm going to have a conversation, or I'm going to – Obviously, appropriately with timing and tact and tone and transparency, all the things we talk about Mm -hmm. how to have hard conversations. What I'm hearing you say, and I'm I'm, I'm fearful that it will be misconstrued, is when something's happening, I don't have to deal with the situation. Mm -hmm. I just go into a back room, send an email, uh, write a note, slip it under someone's door anonymously even, and I don't have to actually engage in that situation in a way that I think as a culture, Mm -hmm. as a people – as communities, well, if I go down the road, as families, as friendship circles and so forth, we need to learn to just share those things and step into them and not just write them up. I totally agree. And I think that this is the conversation today is when you see something, say something. But when you don't say say something, write something. So I, I think that oftentimes we are not, I agree, we are not as good of bystanders as we should be. And there are circumstances where we can totally with our privilege and with our presence can engage in a situation and confront an individual can say, Hey, you're not following the workflow and it's hurting all of us in the workplace here, or you're creating a hostile work environment with the way that you said that thing or, or the way that you communicated with that person I found actually offensive to me. And I I think that it was, was harmful. Um, and I think that there is a time and a place for those things. Um, and I think that there are kind of two main reasons that we don't do that well. Okay. I think the first reason is, is selfishness, that either in the moment um, that we are too focused on what we are doing um, or we are not wanting to you know, make waves or put ourselves mm. at, at risk in some way, but we are, we are thinking about ourselves and we are not mm. having our eyes opened to the injustices in the world around us. Okay, um, I would agree with that. And, and I think that what we can do this idea of write them up is well what do we do in those times where we have done nothing and after the fact you feel guilty and it's it it is burning at your heart and gnawing at you and you're saying why didn't i stand up to that person in the moment mm-hmm. um that you can actually then use that guilt as as a, a ch- to channel something productive which mm-hmm. i think is to to write them up okay. um uh, additionally, I think that the other reason that we don't are not good bystanders is another reason that I think um, is more reasonable and more um, justifiable is is vulnerability. The sense of mm-hmm. if you know, for you, Dad, as an individual, because of your privilege and because of your presence, you can step into a conversation and confront somebody and say something in a way that not everybody has access to do that in a way that is safe for them to do. Mm. I think that, you know, if you think about a dramatic example of, of someone getting beat up on the street, for you to, to hop into that and try to confront that, you're putting yourself at physical danger. But even so, if in a similar vein, if there is sexual harassment in your workplace coming from your boss, (laughs) for you to address that boss, there could be, formal retaliation where that boss is like, 
oh, well, you're fired or you're not going to, you're not getting a promotion or I'm mm-hmm. going to stop treating you as okay. well. Or there's going to be that informal retaliation of the, I'm not going to talk to you as much. I'm not going to think about you when I'm looking for someone to do a big project. Um, the people around you in the workplace are like, oh, Justin's the kind of person that is the tattletale. So we're not going to hang, we're not going to invite him to lunch anymore. And there's different yeah. forms of retaliation that there's vulnerability there. And I, I think that that's another reason that we're not good bystanders. You know, I'm tracking with you in that. So I, I, I tend to uh, think about that first one of mm-hmm. selfishness mm-hmm. and why don't you step into a situation mm-hmm. and why aren't you willing to be uncomfortable, mm-hmm. to do an uncomfortable thing for the sake of someone else or to make your workplace better or the world a more safe and, and, and just place. But I'm tracking with you in regards to that second reason because I think that's something that I didn't think about because yeah. it's true. I, I, in most situations, mm-hmm. if I see something and uh, I'm concerned about something, mm-hmm. I'm going to step in and have a conversation. Yeah. So my encouragement to the viewers would be when you see something, say something. I think that that is the best approach. It can be most helpful. Mm-hmm. I know there've been times even recently in my workplace where I've said to a colleague, I think I'm going to write this person up for what they just said. And I've had appropriate pushback to me from colleagues and saying, hey, I think this is a person that would actually respond well to a conversation and you should engage that conversation with them. Um, And I I appreciate that feedback and was responsive to that feedback in my workplace. Um, And I think that there's a a place for us dealing with our selfishness, being willing to um, step into hard conversations. Mm -hmm. Um, But we also have to acknowledge that that stepping into those conversations can put us at risk. I'm going to pause right now in the middle of this episode and acknowledge that you probably already have heard some things that you're thinking to yourself. I need to share this with a friend or a coworker. Please do. Back to the episode. And I appreciate that. So it sounds like you are not saying do jump right to writing them up. Instead. Instead, right. You can actually do one or both. So I'm even thinking of a situation. I supervise folks within a variety of spheres of within my world. And I will engage in conversations, but then I'll also kind of take a note on that. Mm-hmm. And I'll I'll record that. I'll yeah. document that. I'm not sending it to someone, but I think that what could even be ideal, be ideal in your situation you describe with that coworker mm-hmm. is you have a conversation, but then maybe you do need to make a note, share that with someone else, document that, and not as a punishment or a tattletale. Right. And I think that's always the, the challenge within culture, even from, as children. You know, that's like the worst label you can have. Yeah. Right? You're a tattletale. Yep. Um, and it almost seems like it's unloyal yeah. versus actually actually turning the lens back on the offense right. or the offender of course. versus the reporter. Yeah. We tend to focus more on, I can't believe you did that. If you were loyal, if you were a friend, how, yes. could you tell, how could you tell on me? Yes. That's a mean thing to do to tell on somebody. But I think that there are times where, where in a sense, being a tattletale or writing them up could be a gift to the person that, that we're writing up. No, um, I would agree with that. And I think that there are times where we are not, as a humankind, we are not as responsive to feedback as we would like to believe. Um, and sometimes it takes a supervisor, somebody else, a formal report being demonstrated, hey, someone wrote this about you. I Now that this has been written, I, as your supervisor, have to talk to you about this thing and, and have to create either some degree of accountability or consequences that... I think that we are more likely to change oftentimes when that's the case. And I know that there have been circumstances in my life where even as I think about when I was a resident assistant, kind of the hall monitor in in the undergraduate setting, that there were times where I let the power get to my head, where I was 
maybe treating residents harsher than I should have when I was addressing their drug use in the college dorm setting. Mm. Um, or there were times where as I would, um, maybe there would be inequality in the way that, okay, I'm going to write this person up, but not this person up. And Mm. maybe the things that I would turn a blind eye to, there was, there could have been inequity there. Um, whether that's based on, uh, race or gender or socioeconomic status. I know that there were times where had someone written me up that it, in hindsight, I wonder if that would have prevented me from um, engaging in some of the more harmful, hostile, aggressive, letting the power get to my head kind of behaviors. Um, I think too, you know, we're talking about harassment and discrimination, some of those things, but even in my workplace right now, there was an instance a couple of um, months ago where I was working in a unit for about two months. And it wasn't until the end of the second month that someone came up to me and said, hey, just a heads up, the nurses are upset because you've been doing this thing wrong for two months now. <laughs> and I was like, I wish that someone had, even if the person, because I recognize that within medicine, there's like this hierarchy and there's this degree of vulnerability that, you know, I feel like if I report a nurse, I, I almost feel like, oh my gosh, that that could put me at risk of retaliation from the nurses on the unit because they have some degree of power. But then also there's this hierarchy in medicine too, where it's like, Oh, the doctors are above the nurses. So someone could have been afraid to engage that conversation with me. But I wonder had someone the first time I did that process wrong, even if they felt vulnerable and didn't want to address it with me, if a document, if a, report was made and someone said, Hey, Dr. Brown should have been cleaning his instruments after this procedure and didn't do that. Then I would have gotten that report back and the feedback. And I would have been like, Oh, I didn't know that was the process. Nobody told me now I can fix that problem. And I can be grateful that that was the case. So I think that this idea of being a tattletale is a mean thing. I think one, it can be a gift and two, that sometimes those that are writing up the report are made to feel like, oh, you're creating an unsafe environment where we can't tell jokes anymore. But instead, is am I not making it a safer environment by, mm-hmm. by addressing and confronting a work environment that is hostile as it is? That, I, that for me stepping into that, I'd like to think that I'm making it safer as opposed to creating an unsafe environment by being a tattletale in a You sense. know, that is very compelling. I think of everything we've talked about so far in the in the midst of this conversation, it's this turning, turning the paradigm, shifting this perspective that by writing people up or tattletailing mm-hmm. or having those hard conversations, it isn't creating a more toxic or unwelcoming environment. It is potentially creating a more dynamic, mm-hmm. well, for sure, diverse but even safer, mm-hmm. um, more positive, more productive environment. So I think that the last point I want to talk about as far as barriers to writing them up is is this idea that when you say to someone, oh, you should write that up, you should document that, that you will often get the feedback of, that's not going to make a difference. It's it's not worth it. It's not worth your, your investment or your energy because the system will never change. But I think that the system won't be fixed until we use the system to fix the system. There are processes and protocols and workflows in place where if something is inappropriate that's happening or something that's unsafe that's happening or something that is out of the appropriate protocol that that we're supposed to document those things. And I think if we never use the system, the system isn't going to be fixed. And I think for you even as I think about, you know, you're, you're a manager, you have employees that you oversee, there are probably things that are happening but beneath your nose that you're not aware of that you might you're responsible for hiring and firing but there are probably people that work for you that 
everyone else is like, why haven't they been fired yet? But nobody's written them up. Hmm. That that there's there's no uh, there's no possibility for the system to be fixed. There's no possibility for accountability um, because we're not willing to to use the system to fix the system. Wow, this is great. Um, practical steps. Yeah. What do we do? Here we are. We're listening to this conversation. Um, I'm guessing for our listeners and viewers are thinking, well, I need to think about who I can write up or yeah. what maybe maybe even conversations that have happened in the weeks or even days recently mm-hmm. to uh, that need to be addressed. Yeah. So I'd, I'd love to share kind of briefly an anecdote of something that oh, I'd experienced please. um, and use it kind of as a way of, of sharing maybe some steps to write them up. Okay. So um, Noel and I were flying back from Mexico um, from our family vacation and our flight was delayed. So we knew we were going to miss our connecting flight. So we go to kind of the American Airlines, um, recheck your bags, ticket, counter. We're getting our hotel room for the night because we're not going to make it the next till the next morning. Um, and there was other passengers on our flight from out of Mexico that had a connecting flight that they could have made. Um, and if maybe you recall when you are um, coming from out of the country and getting another flight, you don't have to recheck your bags. You can just drop your check. You grab your check bags you drop them and you go straight to your flight and you book it. And there was a, a woman, a young Spanish-speaking woman who was flying with us out of Mexico who was with her two, maybe three- and six-year-old child. Um, and she was she didn't realize that you could just drop your bag real quick and you could tell she was in the rush. So she hopped to the front of the line. It was just trying to get some quick assistance. And there was a white, an older white woman employee who came out from behind the counter and didn't you know, kind of respectfully ask her, hey, is there a reason you hopped to the front of the line? How can I help you today? It was immediately finger in the face. I'm going to call security and this is going to turn into something. And it, it was this very like everyone was super uncomfortable in the line with us. Um, and eventually what happened is she was helped by another employee and the employee was like, oh, you can just drop your bag and go. So she's running with her bag and her three and six year old child behind her. And the woman, um, who I mentioned the first time yells after them, uh, see, you were jumping up in front of line for no reason at all. Mm -hmm. So it felt to me that not only was it rude, I could not help but see that there was a component there where I felt like that, that was, that was racially charged. Mm -hmm. Um, so I hear the steps now you're in the moment when you're you're feeling these emotions of shock, of frustration, maybe annoyance, of guilt, and you you feel those feelings, and you'll identify what are those feelings that I'm having. Secondly, and this is what I then did, is I, I thought to myself, what is my intention? If I were to write someone up, what is my intention? Mm. Is my intention to... Um, to create accountability, is it to get them in trouble? Right to yeah. to like what what is the intention, or is it to prevent harm in the future? What is the intention? Um, the third step would then to be to say, you know, with both of these things in mind, I'm I'm going to decide to write them up. Then I quickly kind of wrote down on my phone some of the details that I could remember, um, where it was, when it was. I and I, I showed them to Noel, who was with me, and I said how do these details, like, is this right? Do you remember how she said this exactly? Mm. And, and then did she say this or then so you collect kind of the information, you write it down quick so you don't forget it. And then you identify the process. What is the, 
where can I report this? Where can I submit this report? What is the process in place? I'm not going to just email the president of American Airlines and try to assume that that's going to make a difference. I need to follow whatever the right workflow is. So I found that there, the U.S. Department of Transportation has a civil rights division where you can submit mm-hmm. um, reports about um, discrimination. So I I, I had identified that. Then I wrote out the facts of the, the account in the most objective, evidenced way that I could possibly say, you know, on this date, at this location, with this person, at this time, and these were the other people who were present, and trying to give as many details and evidence as I could. Then um, I kind of showed it to Noelle, and I said, does this look right to you? And she was said, oh, fix this. Actually, it's this. And I, you know, tried to get as accurate as I could. I think also you can invite other people that were present. Hey, why don't you also write a report? And there could be several reports of the same account um, that I think build a a helpful paper trail of more and more Mm -hmm. evidence uh, about whatever happened. Then I signed my name on it. So there was the opportunity for it to be anonymous, but I wanted my name to be on it so that um, I could use in a sense that privilege that I had that I'm not in a vulnerable position there. I, I wanted the airline to potentially be able to reach out to me if they had any further questions or things I could clarify. Um, and then basically it's, you submit the report and you trust the process. Um, it can be hard to believe that this could make any difference and maybe it won't and it perhaps won't, but I think it is worth my investment in trying Mm -hmm. to make, um, that, that workplace less hostile and the world more just. And I'm guessing you're hoping that, the process would lead to an honest, open conversation with a supervisor, Mm -hmm. with this particular American Airlines employee, Mm -hmm. and she would be open, and she would be teachable, and she would be humble, and actually there would be change of behavior and perspective moving forward. Yeah, Um, I I am curious, uh, because this is how I'm wired, is was there a space or a place or an opportunity for you to um, just say, ma'am, if I may... Can I have a conversation with you? Several of us around here are pretty uncomfortable with what we just, what we just saw and what we yeah. just witnessed. Um, and I think that you had this woman who was in a vulnerable position with mm-hmm. her young children, uh, and it seemed like you really came at her hard. I would just, I'm curious yeah. if you've thought about should you have engaged with, or totally. was there even an opportunity for that? And, and there was a, we were like next in line behind this woman. There was a long line of people behind us, and everyone's stressed because they just had their flight that they missed right, their flight. Right. So I felt like that that wasn't the space and the place to make that happen. Had she been the employee that called us up next into the line, then I think that I might've engaged that conversation. I actually asked the person that I went up to, I said, would you let me know that person's name? Because I'd like to be able to report them. Um, that, you know, that is my way of trying to be actively present. And even when the woman was next in line, eventually uh, she just stayed up at the front of the line after the woman yelled at her and said, she's going to call security on her. And then, when they were calling me up to line, I said, you can go ahead to the woman. So that was my way of, I think, being engaged in yeah. what was happening in that moment. But I also think that if it just ended there, then there can't be a paper trail. There cannot yeah. be, you know, maybe this happens every single day. And maybe it's always with the Spanish speaking passengers mm-hmm. with their two young children. I also appreciated how in your list of practices and things to do, how you talked about explore your intentions mm-hmm. to, th- to check your heart yeah. and to think, why am I doing this? Because I'm sure in some workplaces where someone does this little thing, mm-hmm. but you don't like that person. Right. It's like, Ooh, yep. here's my opportunity. This is it. I'm going to get them in trouble yeah. and I'm going to get them out of my way and I can get my promotion, not them. And, and so I like that idea of this is not a retaliatory 
kind of um, practice. This is a caring practice. This is a just practice. This is an opportunity, like you said, to make the world a just place, Mm -hmm. to make work environments safer. And so as is often the case, Justin, you were uh, wiser than me and you pushed forward and said, no, no, dad, we really should do this episode. Because I do think as I've listened to you and sat with you here today, it, it was an important conversation and worthy of great reflection um, and I will do it personally and I would encourage our listeners and our viewers to do the same. Thanks for the conversation today. Thanks. Sir. For life coaching, consulting services, or to hire a keynote speaker, please visit dmbcoaching.com.